Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Okay, fair enough. Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Okay! Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. When, when Glenn and Jed's divide enthusiasm in that way, I don't know where to land. I just wind up emotionally confused. Welcome! A man in an emotional no man's land. Sort the of younger. A, like a child in a dysfunctional marriage there, you know. Yeah, you guys make me stay in the middle and I'm I've had it. Whoa. Lee gets two Christmases and they are both <laughs> underwhelming. <laughs> you don't want to be at a holiday dinner hosted by any of the co hosts of this podcast. No. That's guaranteed. True. Not to say that the podcast the hosts of this podcast don't have some things they're good at. They do. In some cases, things so good, they're being plagiarized. On that basis, I must declare an intellectual property emergency. Whoa. Whoa. Is this going to be, is this like a legal situation? Do we need to assert, uh, get our legal team on this? You know we do. Can we, are we allowed to object? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Uh, do we have a quorum? I, I don't know what that means. But... I don't think that's a legal term. It's okay. a legislative one. Okay. But you feel, just keep throwing them out there as they come to you. Okay. Um, so uh, those of you who've been following the podcast for a while know that we also have, you know, a blog. We have uh, Twitter and Facebook and all the whatnots. Um, so, you know, we, we put the quotes out from the show and just the, the people come up with. And one that has done very well, has circled the globe, has been translated into several different languages has shown up uh, in many uh, pinched scenarios. We found a wood carving of it for sale on Amazon. Uh, It appeared on the Instagram of Ariana Huffington. Yeah. uh, Correctly attributed, not like linked back to us, but it had a name on it as did the the wood carving. Now we've had the most blatant, brutal, unattributed theft of all. Wow. And it came from the Baptists. What? What? So Glenn uh, had a, a quote several years ago that says, Jesus told the story of the prodigal son to make a simple point. It doesn't matter what you've done. Just come home. Now, um, free will Baptist, which if you have those words on your sign and people are still coming in, good for you. Wow. Okay. Because... <laughs> Not the most welcoming church name I've ever heard. Yeah, that's, uh, well, I mean, every, you know, however the people want to party, that's, you know, I, sure. I, I'm not here to judge, but I don't know if that's like, you know, if that really brings all the uh, lay people to the yard. <laughs> well done. Well done. You know, that's, you know what I mean? Well, it, no. Like if it's. Uh, no, I don't know what you mean. Glenn, what are you referencing there? Well, no, I, you know, if you're if you're saying, uh, you know, church of uh, really good people who think you're cool, you know, then or you know, church of free waffles would pack them in. I would go to the church of free waffles right now. Right? Yes. Like if it was just a place where you get waffles, and then someone says Jesus loves you, even that, that's you know, that's churchy enough. Let's suppose that you are on some really funky, like not Christian beliefs. Yeah, you can still use the word church, right? Right. I mean, right. You call it, we call yourselves the Temple of Free Waffles, right? 
right? Sure. If the deal is you give me free waffles and you give me your pitch yeah. as a meat and waffles. Oh, yeah. I'd do that. Yeah, it's like one of those right things on. where you go to like a job fair. Yeah. And they give go. you like a keychain. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, you go you make you give me a waffle, you make a pitch. Exactly right. As long as I'm eating waffles, you tell me about your great teacher. Right. In That's some right. ways in some ways the you know, the, the pitch of the, the Christian religion is kind of the ultimate timeshare. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> In that, it doesn't have to be crooked, but most of the people who have suits on telling you about it, you can just go ahead and assume they're crooked. It has a lot in common with that, I think. Now, and gentlemen, I would put this to you, and admittedly, this is, a, this is reflective of my inherent prejudices. Okay. I grew up in a certain place. I grew up uh-huh. at a certain time. I think if I saw a sign for Free Waffle Southern Baptist, there's part of me that would go, waffles aren't that expensive. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I have nice ego and some peace. And, uh, you know, maybe. But, well, you know, free, free well, waffle but, church. But they've already made their pitch to you. So that's, that's what true. that is, you know. That's, uh, that's bad branding. Maybe <laughs> they should pull that off thousands of buildings. What? They already pulled that word off thousands of buildings? Why would they do that? Why, why would that be necessary? But, hey, and, you know, we mock. Yeah, we mock because it's easy and it's fun. Yeah, and because you ripped us off. Yep, and because you ripped us off. But I must say, of all the uh, ideas that uh, the churches have had, and because it's, I don't know if you people know about church. Church is not going well. No, in a in a demographic big sense in this country. Um, you know, ripping off Glenn is one of the better ideas I've heard floated out. Sure, that's a way to go. You need to put a little, you know, dash. Uncle Glenn on there, yeah, like Ariana Huffington did, yeah, and like the people uh, illegally profiting off Glenn's intellectual property on Amazon did. <laughs> right. You somehow found a way to be less upfront than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, maybe those Baptists have it in their mind that they always did say that. Sure. Well, in a sense, mm-hmm. we've all said it. Yeah. Has, who's to say? You certainly I said those words. Maybe I thought of it first. Who's to say? If you put a hundred Glens with a hundred typewriters in a room long enough, <laughs> right. this quote will emerge. Right. So, yeah. He no, ran I, to him and said, the blurst of times, you stupid monkeys. Here, <laughs> here's what I'm saying. Uh, uh, we're being, we, we got people... Uh, doing uh, pirating. That's right. Oh, that's right. Ring pirating. That's right. On the high seas. That's it. Well, uh, yes, they, they, they're surfing the waves of the internet. That's and right. They're, and they're pirating us. Yes. So I don't know really what happens with that. Right. You know, like, what do you, you know, how do you get it back? Well, because here's the thing. This is, this was in the news and whatnot. There's a big mega church here in Chicago. Yeah. And people were saying stuff about them. That yeah. was absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. But they didn't like it. Well, they do. Well, they sued them. Ah. They say, huh. well, give us money because you say things we don't like. Isn't there a Bible verse where the Apostle Paul says, why not rather be wronged? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just, I don't know. Well, you're, you're absolutely right there, Lee. And that is the, the, that Bible verse is exactly what this megachurch quoted when they Uh-oh. decided to drop this lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> now, for those of us who are following the case a little more closely, the thing that immediately preceded, you know, in a post hoc ergo proctor hoc kind yeah. of way, them dropping that lawsuit was not them finding that Bible verse. Right. It was not as if all the Bibles in the church had, had just had those two pages stuck together <laughs> right. and they didn't know it was in there. Yeah. It was someone pointing out, 
okay, you can sue them for saying this thing about your finances, but are you familiar with the process of legal discovery? Nope. Because that means you got to open up your books to prove it wasn't true. Right. And they really got the Holy Spirit yeah, they around said, the time yeah. they had to let the court look at their finances. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe you know what? Let's be Christian about it. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah. Well, here's the thing though. They before they before they had that wave of inspiration from the Holy Spirit, they did do like sort of a study and had, you know, Bible experts weigh in mm. on suing other Christians. Oh. You know? And uh, it turns out th- that they decided, as as that mega church, it's fine. Really? Yeah. So I'm like, wow. R- right now, game on. I'm thinking it's time to cash in, fellas. Okay. Let's get suing. Because uh, these Baptists, uh, I don't know what kind of money they've got. Well, they but, got that sweet, sweet Baptist money. Not as much as they did 15 years ago. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> fixed income money. I think is what we're looking at there, Glenn. So you know, I you know we gotta we gotta alert the legal team. Well, let me ask you this. I think I may have an angle for us to consider. All right, uh, Matt rightly points out things are not going well for the church at large right. here in, in these United States. Um, you know, so every church is looking for an angle. Right. Okay. Now you mentioned to us that they are they're pirating our materials, and they are, right. and that they are using our intellectual property, Glenn's intellectual property, in an unlicensed way without attribution, which is piracy. But I'm envisioning actual 17th century high seas pirates. Okay. Wow. Here's okay. my question: Would you consider attending Blackbeard Baptist Church? I would oh, think pirate I, church. I'd have to think about it. I mean, if I, here's what I'm saying. All of kind of the the legalism that you know and love, but delivered with a festive pirate accent. Yeah, is there it, is there rum? Well, that's you raise a good question. Certainly, what we could have, uh, given that it's Baptist, no. But what we could have <laughs> is a rum flavored uh, sports drink that we serve in the VBS. That's sure, a possibility. That's, yeah. that's a good idea. That's. I yeah. think that, that we record this in the dead of summer. I think right now. Regardless of denomination, there are a lot of VBS leaders out there. If you offered them the option of plying these little monsters with some rum, they'd really take you up on that. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's pretty intense nap time at the old VBS. <laughs> here's what I'm saying. You got a guy, he's still giving a 45-minute Bible lecture, right. but he's got a parrot on okay. his shoulder the uh, entire okay. time. Okay, that's, I hear you. You're, you're, I, I'm, I'm coming up a notch with the parrot. That You nearly lost me with the virgin pina coladas that you were pitching a second ago. Well, I'm just, you gotta, you know, we can't, we can't throw out all the baptistry right, for the right. sake of piracy. Right, right. That, that's, yeah. Well, let me, let me uh, take this idea that Judges gets out and kick it up a notch. Okay. And I think we can really... Sell this to, you know, because again, this is, uh, we're trying to solve a problem for right. these churches here. They're yeah. so desperate. They're apparently scouring the internet <laughs> for anything positive they can put on their thing right. and slightly mangle the original wording of, yes, but still be clear who they ripped off, yeah. which is pretty good. Um, but, so we got Pirate Church. Press ganging church. Ooh. Oh, yeah. We're going to broadside the Lutherans. Wow. Right. And now we just, they all got to come here now. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So you basically, this church pulls up alongside another church. Yeah. And you just you, gang planks come out. Yeah. Charging in with cutlasses and whatnot. Yes. Blunder buses. Yes. Love it. Yes. I think this Cannon is a great firing. Idea. 
no yeah. doubt. Well, those of you who aren't familiar with the with the uh, the lingo that we might use on the show sometimes, uh, among uh, missions outreach folks, and particularly among church pastors, there's a phrase of sheep stealing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this idea is, um, you start a new church in a town. It's without you, your plan to grow this church is not go out, spread the good news, disciple up people who come to know the Lord, because that's like you know it takes a while. You just go to people who already go to church. Right as like a market sector and you convince them to go to this church instead of the one they're currently at. So that is known as sheep stealing. And it's something that every pastor says they are against. And then most of them decide that that's exactly what they want to do. That's what they're all doing. Yes. Yes. We're going to make him famous in the city, Matt. He is the most known historical figure in the history of earth. We're going to make him famous. Okay. Are you going to make him famous to people who already know who he is and are in church? Yes. Yes. Well, that does seem easier. I'll give you that. That's a yes bold vision. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jed, I think all you need to do is add the word "r" on the end of that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're going to well, make him I'm... famous. R. Well, that's what I'm saying. You get the church mobile somehow. Uh-huh. We haven't figured that. I'm not the engineer on the show. We don't. We have the whole department for that. Right, right, right. They pull up a cross, yep. second whatever church in this town. Yep. Gangplanks come out. Pastor, <laughs> full beard. Yep. You run the black flag up. Yeah, yeah. The Jolly say, Roger. Yeah, Jolly Full on Jolly Roger Baptist Church. Yep. You say, you come to church here now. Yeah. And I... we're taking all your spices. Yeah. <laughs> I think okay. you might take some. I think there's also some people who are kind of bored in that church who go, well, this seems novel. Yes. Yeah. Let's give this a shot. Yeah. It, could they have a monkey? Obviously. Absolutely. If you got a monkey, Clearly. you got me on board. I think I got one more thing that's really going to help seal the deal for you, Glenn. Okay. Please. When it comes time for church discipline, I'm talking about making them walk the plank. Oh, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think or keel hauling. That also keel hauling. You know, yes, absolutely. A little, more, <laughs> a little more intense. But uh, I think... Does Glenn I, get to have a hook? That's a good question. Yeah, or maybe a peg leg type of yeah, situation. I like that. Yeah, I, like yeah. that. Yeah. I think it changes every week. Like peg leg yeah. one week, then there's a hook, then another yeah. patch. Never all at once. Just rotate the room. Here's what I'm saying, though. I'm super excited about suing other Christians. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of things. <laughs> like if this, if I pay for this album of yeah. Christian music, yeah. like a, you know, what do you call it, a CCM? Yes. And it bums me out. Yeah. I'm getting my, I'm suing. Okay. See what I mean? Okay. Because what what are we talking about here? This is fraud. Because I like I thought this was going to be good. Well, let me ask you this: If I named it and I claimed it uh-huh. and I planted a seed of faith, yeah. and my Ferrari didn't happen, yeah, can I sue for breach of contract? Well, I think I think that's the that is the exact thing they would be encouraging you to do. Well, let's because w- otherwise, where's the faith? Because they're telling me to do it. If sure. they're telling me to do it, and it's not, it's like a maybe situation. Yeah. Breach of covenant. Right. Yeah. Know, breach of covenant. Yes. I'm in a covenant of faith. That's to get that is. Ferrari. It's good. Also, I think a class action suit of every uh, young person who went to like a kind of hip mega church plant that still isn't married by the time they're 25. Yep. Because there was an what they I believe they call in the business world an implicit guarantee in that. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A verbal uh, contract. If yes. You no doubt. Yes. Well, I think we've cracked it. Fellas. Yeah, man. No doubt. I think we're both going to, uh, it, we have, uh, we've come at this from both sides of the legal spectrum. Yeah. One is we're going to lawyer up and just start suing everybody in sight. 
And uh, we're also apparently going to start doing some privateering. <laughs> yeah. That's important to cover your bases. So <laughs> Sounds that, awesome, man. I, for one, am excited about our future. Absolutely. With that, I will declare emergency off. Now, the easiest way to not have to pirate uh, Bridgebox is to go ahead and sign up. Yes. It's so much simpler. For that, to get it legally, nice and legal, you only have to pay $8 a month, which goes to support the work we do up here in Chicago, what Lee does down there with kids in Oak Ridge. And it's just a lot easier. It just comes to your inbox every month. You click on it. You don't have to go through, you know, your dark webs and your gray markets and whatnot with your VPNs and your proxy servers that you have to, you'd have to now to steal this content. It's $8 a month. It's so much simpler. Really. We're still in the month of July. We're looking at our summer mixtape five brand new exclusive songs we got for you. We'll probably end the show with one of those. All right. We're going to jump to our, First question here, you can hang us all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this, or you can scroll down into the episode description and find it there. First question comes in anonymously and it says, why do we always put other people before God? What does God think when we do that? What's the right way of handling that? And a really great question, a couple of really good questions in here. And Glenn, where do we kick off? I think the key thing is to look at whatever whatever kind of struggle that you've gone through, whatever mistakes you've made, whatever problem situation you have, the right way to start with that is, how did we get here? Mm. The wrong way to look at that is to say, this is a wrong for which there could be no excuse, therefore it bears no further scrutiny. I... I I need not think or examine this anymore because I'm not going to find out that it's okay for me to put God last and put someone else first. That's, you know, I think the enemy encourages that kind of lack of examination, lack of uh, uh, where did this all come from? How did we get here? Uh, And it can be really painful to look at a mistake that's been made and one that you feel ashamed about. You, you, will kind of be happy to gloss over that. But if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're going to be repeating those mistakes. So um, here's here's what I would like to suggest to you. If you have been putting other people before God, or at some point you put another relationship before God, I've been there. I have made that mistake. I, I have no right to sit in judgment over you. So we want to put all that guilt and shame to the side. Yeah. Um, but I think for me... That was, I felt I had done other stuff wrong. I'd made other mistakes. I feel like God is not interested in hooking me up because of that, because I had made mistakes. So I have to hook myself up. Mm -hmm. The moment you say, I've got to hook myself up because God's not in my corner because I've done him wrong, then you're going to put somebody else before God because Mm -hmm. that's that's the Mm -hmm. game you're playing. I have I watched porn. I can't pray and ask God for a job, so I've got to just go and get whatever job I can get because God's not going to give me a job. I have to go get my own job. I can't go to church because I have to work this job because I have to hook myself up. I have to do for me. I can't ask God to give me a godly woman because I looked at stuff on the internet. So. I have to go and hook myself up with this other woman that has nothing to do with God. And because if I'm going to get anything good in my life, I have to do it because I can't count on God because I let him down. That's if you see how I'm doing that, I'm tracing it back to its origin. And it's going to come to that bad theology of, you know, God doesn't help 
sinners who make mistakes. Uh, that's all God has down here. Of course, he helps sinners who make mistakes. Um, so therefore, it's right for us to look at uh, putting God first is a journey. That's not something you just snap your fingers and it happens. That's mm-hmm. not how that works. It's a lifelong process of uh, dying to yourself, uh, putting God first, listening to God, I think is the big key to that. Uh, but that doesn't start uh, uh, on Monday and you finish on Tuesday. That's that's the wrong way to, to look at that. It's a journey. You may be at the beginning of that journey. You may suck because you're at the beginning, and that's those things all go together, so it makes sense. So why don't you give yourself a big fat break and let's move on. Yeah. Let's figure out how to learn from this and move forward. A final thought on that is uh, a big part of this is letting God be in control. Let him make the decisions. Do I date this person? Do I wait? Do I go to this school that I think is going to be great for my career but might not be great for my walk or whatever? I don't know. Um, The problem with letting God call the shots is the more you behave— the more Christian you think you are, the more of a good person you see yourself as, the harder it is to let God call those shots. If you say, hey, I'm a screw-up, you say, God, you got to get me out of this. I'm in a mess here. And then whatever the Lord tells you, you're more amenable to that based on that kind of thinking. But if you have a mentality of, hey, I've been behaving my way, I deserve this, I should have this, I'm not going to let anybody take this away from me. You put your hands on it more. You control it more. Uh, it, uh, when you behave and you feel like that's giving you some sort of, uh, 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 we're building up some sort of uh, credit with the Lord in that sort of situation, then you feel like, okay, I th- this is mine, and I do with it what I want. Mm-hmm. That That mentality gets us into hooking ourselves up and not putting God first as well. That's a very, very uh, good place to start. And Lee, I'd love to actually get you pick us right there. Glenn's talking about this, the idea of this being a process and the the yeah. issues that come from from getting too hard on ourselves. But I think when we look at something as opposed to a process, as a series of just kind of isolated incidents, either I, I did, I put God first or I didn't, however one might define that, mm. we can get ourselves really trapped in these patterns of thinking, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I love the way that Glenn described this as a journey and a process. Um, and, and there's a thing inside us, I think, that that feels like that what that God's expectations of us are that we, you know, we hear the good news and then we arrive finished. Like, oh, that was amazing. Now I am completely finished. Um, and and that's not the the way anything works. It's it's the way we would like it to work. We would like to be kind of snap your fingers. I love uh, you know Glenn said you know I, I I hear this on Monday and I've got it down on Tuesday and that's kind of what we expect of ourselves. I think it's a really important thing to realize that that is not what God expects of you on anything. Um, one of the key elements for me on this is realizing that God is not disappointed. This is a it's kind of one of those things that the first time somebody like kind of broke this down for me in my own spiritual life, that was a day of freedom unlike any other. The idea that since God knows everything and he's outside of time, he actually can't be surprised. And since he can't be dispri- surprised, he's not disappointed. And 
and because of that, he has all this patience and he has all this kindness and he's, you know, he describes himself as a father. You know, for me, the thing that I always think about in a question like this and, and in issues like this in my own life is, you know, just kind of experiences I have with my own kids. Like, for instance, we, and, and th- there could be a million examples of this, but one that I thought of is just kind of like, uh, you know, the example of teaching our kids to do their own laundry. Um, our kids do their own laundry and that's their, you know, that's one of their deals. They've got to, you know, wash their own clothes and fold their own clothes and put their own clothes away and that kind of stuff. Getting them to the place where they knew every, you know, knew the right button to push and knew how to separate and knew what soap to use and what settings to use. And then, you know, how to, you know, how to, how to get everything in the dryer, how to fold stuff the correct way, when to do all of the things or whatever, that is a process and it takes reps. So if we set up the kind of environment where I'm going to teach you how to do something, but as soon as I teach you one time, you have to have it perfectly down after that. Well, that's a no-win situation. We want to set up the kind of environment with our with our kids where I'm going to teach you how to do something, and then you're still going to have a lot of questions going forward, and you're going to get better at it as you go. And eventually, you're going to get to the place where you can handle your own laundry completely by yourself, and hopefully we get there before you, you know, move out of the house or whatever. But if you still have questions, and by the way, at 40 years old, I'm still finding up that I'm screwing up the laundry. You know, like this is a, this is a long process. I'm, my, my wife is told me this week, hey, I need you to do this thing this way. Oh, crap. I think you've already told me that before. And what the scripture tells us is that the Lord is patient with us. Um, actually, the way that the way that Paul describes it is he says that Jesus has boundless patience. In other words, you just take a boundary and set it up. This is the boundary line. This is where patience ends and then knock that boundary down. That's the word Paul used was there is no boundary to the patience of Jesus. That is an incredibly freeing concept that I'm on a journey of learning. And throughout my life, I learn when I put other things before the Lord's way or, you know, as Glenn saying, I don't let him call the shots and I find out there's less life there and he doesn't scold me. He doesn't, I'm not being punished for that. What I find out is he's patiently letting me learn that process. And maybe the next time I learn it, maybe the next time I screw it up again, he's not surprised. He's not disappointed. I'm not in trouble. And he is, he has boundless patience as I learn that when I go to him and I let him call the shots and I let him be in control as Glenn's talking about, then I find more life and more fulfillment. This is a lifelong process. It's a process that thankfully, and this is a freeing thing, Jesus is not in a hurry with us. He is exceedingly, boundlessly patient, and that's good news. It definitely, definitely is. And Jen, I'd love for you to take a look at, for us at another aspect of this, which is, I think uh, Glenn and Lee have done an amazing job looking at kind of how we can get past this, how we get to the right point. But I think this is definitely a situation where understanding why we engage in this behavior and putting others before maybe what God wants uh, is going to help. And particularly, I think we're going to land at that same point of understanding Lee brought us to from the other side, right? No doubt about it. You know, when people talk about, you know, I feel like I'm putting other people before God in my life. One of the primary categories where that happens is family. Um, family or, or close friends. 
And I think in a sense, this actually, this makes total perfect sense. You know, if you've got a person standing in front of you who's a flesh and blood person and they're saying, I've got this thing I need you to do in order to make me happy and it's killing me that you're not doing it. Would you please do it? It may be against what God wants you to do, and and that's the crux of the problem we're having here, but there's still a flesh and blood person that you care deeply about who's in front of you saying, I am in need, and you can do something about that. I think we need to acknowledge that's hard to say no to. Um, that's It doesn't change the, the bottom line morality of it. It doesn't change the bottom line right and wrong of it, but that's a really hard moment to be in. And so let's dig into that for a second. One of the things, this is one of those moments where we need to be very precise because there's a lot in these dynamics that's not wrong. And then there's this one moment where things take a sharp turn towards wrong. And we actually need to understand where that is. The first is, again, the kind of model we're using is there's someone that you care about. They could be a close friend. They could be a family member. And they want you to do a thing. Now, in the kind of work that we do on the streets, that could be, I don't have any money and I need you to go sell drugs so that there's money for us to work with. But that could also be, you know, the Lord's calling you in a certain kind of career and it's, no, we need you to go to law school so that you have an impressive job that, you know, sounds good to, to other people. It's, you know, all variations on the same thing. It's not wrong for you to want other people to be happy. We, we want to start there. Um, you should not be... Um, indifferent to the happiness of other people, and certainly not to the people that you care about. Um, that would be really weird. If we get to a point of, I don't care if you're happy or not, that we've kind of gone in a funky direction on that. That's, that's you know, not good. Where we start to get into a problem is when we think that we can make other people be happy. That's when we've started to veer, not necessarily even into something sinful, but definitely something unhealthy and definitely something unmanageable. So if someone comes to you and they say, I need you to uproot your life and do this other thing because that would make me happy. The problem is not that I want you to be happy. The problem is that thing wouldn't make you happy because that's not actually how happiness works. Happiness is a choice that you have to make for yourself on a day-by-day basis. Me going to law school instead of, um, you know, teaching at this Christian school in the inner city, that actually would not have anything to do with whether or not you're happy. Mm. You think it would. In your mind, you have the idea, if, you know, if my grandson would just realize his potential and go to law school, then I could (laughs) really sleep well at night. But that's not true. And I know that's not true because that's not how happiness works. That's just right. not the mechanism through which people have contentedness and happiness in their lives. And so I think a lot of the time when we have the sense of I'm putting other people before God, it actually starts with something that is in no way sinful and actually is fairly righteous, which is a, a concern for the well-being of this other person, a concern for their contentment, a concern for their happiness. But where we take a left turn, where we start to really get off course is when we believe that we could make them be happy, that we, we have the power to just force happiness on them when happiness doesn't work that way. Then the next thing after that to kind of build on that is the idea that for us to um, for us to live a life that honors that other person, for us to live a life that um, shows respect to that other person, we actually need to live fully into who God made us to be. Um, we actually need, in a sense, to be true to ourselves because 
if we're not doing that, that's going to that's going to lead to bad outcomes in our lives. If we're in a sense perjuring ourselves, if we're not being true to ourselves um, for the for the sake of somebody else, that almost always leads to regret. It almost always leads to resentment. It almost always leads to to bad outcomes. That's not good for that other person. I mean, it's terrible for us. It's it's absolutely awful, awful for us. But it's not good for them either. This is this is not going to do anything good for them at all. Then when we add in the element of, look, grandma, this is, that's just not what God's calling me to do. Uh, then it starts to become a, a bit of a slam dunk of, so I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. But we do way, way better to really work those steps all the way through and acknowledge the stuff that is perfectly lovely, like caring about another person's happiness, the right. stuff where we start to get off course, where we're saying, I, I can't make you be happy, so it's not like that. And then the stuff where we're into a full-on danger zone of, I'm going to sell out the things I believe in and, and act like that wouldn't have consequences in my life and in yours. We really need to be precise when we evaluate that in order to get to a place where not only can we do the right thing, but actually have some peace and some confidence about that decision. I think that is really, really fantastic stuff. And it actually ties exactly back to where Glenn was starting us off because the, uh, the hiccup comes in the same point in both these scenarios these guys are laying out, which is, I think I've decided what is the right thing to do. And now I have to, through my own uh, machinations and willpower, make that happen. There's that's almost always going to be lead to a bad thing. And as Jed points out, I think it's very important later to add on to that. The fact that that leads to something bad actually doesn't mean your initial impulse was wrong. Yeah, right. If you think I want to make this person happy and I, you know, I think I need to do X, Y, Z to do that because I got to have this amount of money or prestige or whatever. And I'm going to try to make that happen. It's not the wanting to, make someone happy or have someone be pleased with you. That is often the problem with that. A lot, clo a lot more often the issue of I cannot allow this person to ever be unhappy with me is that can lead to some real problems with like family and yeah. stuff, but that's not what we're talking about here. Again, I think this is one of those things where the idea of you put things before God, you're putting things above God and people. I mean, as, as, both Glenn and Lee pointed out, we all do that. Yeah. If we're being honest, kind of all the time. So what if it was one of those things where we just put the theology aside for a second and idolatry and all that, just decided if everyone's doing that all the time, what if we approach the problem as if it were something we needed to do better on because we wanted a better life? That's where Jeb landed us. We talked about this at the bridge a couple weeks ago, and that's that's kind of what we we were talking about is you think this idea of I, I, I don't have my priorities right, so God's going to squish me and he's a, a jealousy and all that, which maybe hadn't happened yet to anybody. You'd think it would have, because again, we're all doing it all the time. But as, as all these guys have pointed out, there, there are things you want in your life. There are things the other people in your life will be happier with, even if they don't have the ability to see that right now, that come from you following God but that's not that doesn't have to be out of a a pure white cloud of desire to be the most godly. It's you know, um, you know, we we often talk about the show how when somebody's when uh, the disciples come to Jesus and say who's gonna who's the best one, he doesn't you know uh, crap on their desire to be the best one. He tells them how to do it. 
Right. He says there's this counterintuitive way that you will be the best one, and it is being the worst, it is being the last. In the same way, you think, you know, I want grandma to, uh, to I want grandma to be proud of me. Maybe she'd be proud of you if you were a lawyer. Much more likely, in a way that is a lot deeper, if you do the thing that you God is calling you to do, you pursue that, and that grows. There's going to be a lot more that's a lot deeper there, even if you're have to field annoying uh, Thanksgiving questions for the next few years about why you're not in law school. As, as ever, when we choose these things uh, th- to do them God's way, he gives us more and more at every turn of the things, which is really without a, a putting a guilt on it, why we put so much emphasis on putting God first, following God, not because it's spiritual you know, cheating to not do it that way, because it, re- it really does make your life, life better. We're going to move on to our next question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, I have friends that I really want to share in this new life. I pray for them and I wish they could enjoy God the way I do. What about those we leave behind? And again, another excellent question. And Lee, where would you kick us off? I, I love this question and I, and I love your heart in, uh, in sharing it with us. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, you know, it should be said that, that God sees that and honors that and feels that squeeze that you have on your heart for your lost friends. Um, that's, that's a thing that's from him. That's a sweet and a good thing. Uh, one thing I will say is that from my own experience, I know that, and, and, and maybe, maybe I'm totally off on this. Maybe this doesn't speak to where you are at all. But um, just a little bit of insight into my own kind of journey on this topic. Um, I, when I was a young Christian especially, I, I really wanted to know Everything I could know about what was the the actual, you know, the good theology, the right way to see every little issue. So, and part of that was to find out like who's in and who's out, who's right and who's wrong. Um, there was a lot of arrogance in that, of course, um, as as young people, you know, can tend to feel, and as I definitely, definitely did feel. But luckily and thankfully, the Lord has brought me through a lot of experiences and let me do a lot of ministry since then. And, and he's taught me a lot of things in that. And one is that I'm really not allowed to decide who's in and who's out. And I'm really not allowed to kind of, you know, judge anybody else's spiritual journey. I don't really know very much about anybody else's inner life. Their stories aren't over yet. Jesus is doing a lot of invisible stuff. And, and not only that, but Jesus himself is like a thousand times more merciful and amazingly gracious than I can ever even conceive of being to anybody at any time. Um, one time the Lord told a, a parable, which he did this a lot, just told a story to kind of tell a deeper meaning. He told a story about, um, you know, he, you know that, that somebody had planted wheat and then an enemy came and planted uh, something that looked like wheat but wasn't. And they came in and said, should we tear out the stuff that's not wheat? And he said, no, just don't, don't do that. Just leave it. And at the end of the age, at harvest time, we'll let the harvesters come and, and, and do the work and separate out what's real and what's not. And this is an interesting thing because, you know, we, we talk about, uh, you know, Christians talk about how much they love the Bible, but this is one of those parables that they super ignore, in the sense that everybody's talking about who's in and who's out based on this or that thing or whatever thing. And Jesus completely, clearly said, hey, I, d- I just want you to trust me on this. Leave it till the end of the age. Leave it till harvest time. Let me decide. 
Um, let me, being the patient and the merciful one, decide who's in and who's out. You don't worry about that. And the cool thing about this parable, that if we will take it in, if we will let him call the shots on this, is that that frees us up to do a lot of things. It frees us up to have a great hope about everything that we want to know the Lord. Every, every single person that we want to know him, it frees us up to have a great hope about him. It frees us up to love them like crazy, to serve people and reach out like crazy, and to pray like crazy. What if that was our only thing? Like, I'm just going to love people, serve people, and pray for people. And I'm not going to decide who's in and who's out based purely on the parable of the wheat and the tares. That's what that parable is typically called in your, in your gospels. I'm just going to let Jesus sort everything out at, the, at harvest time. And I'm just going to hope like crazy and love like crazy and serve like crazy and pray like crazy. I'm going to let him work out all the rest of that. To me, when I was a young Christian, that bothered me because I wanted to know who was right, who was wrong, who was in, who was out, based on all the orthodoxy and the everything. Um, and a lot of that was just a lot of arrogance. And I'm not trying to put that on you. I'm just talking about myself here. But as I've done ministry and as I've met people and their convoluted stories and the way that the Lord is pursuing people and the way that he's working in invisible ways all the time and connecting the dots for people in unbelievably crazy ways, I've realized that it is so freeing to just let him decide at harvest time and let me be the one who prays, who loves, who serves, and who hopes. I don't know if that's exactly what you're going through here. But I know that right now, I've got lost people in my life, in my town, who I'm reaching out to, um, who I care about, and I long to know the Lord. And I have a great hope for them, and I'm praying like crazy, and I'm reaching out to them like crazy, and I'm loving them and hanging out with them like crazy because I want them to know Him. But I, I, I've, I've gotten to a place through doing a lot of ministry where I've got a, a, an open hand with that. I'm letting the Lord work. And, and it still takes a lot of reps and all that kind of stuff, and it takes some time to get to that place, but I'm just trying to learn how to trust him and let him sort it out in his time. It's an amazing place to start off. And Jed, I love that idea that Lee's given us about living in hope there, because I think, when especially as he's saying, if you're new to the, to the Christian thing, there is a lot of just energy around... I have this new thing in my life and there are people who don't have it. There are people who I, I want to have it go back to the last, we talked about the last question for really good reasons and worry, I think is a very natural place to put that energy. Yeah. Are there better places we could put it that would be better for us and better serve our friends? I think there are. I, I think one of the things that I think we can draw some wisdom from in a sense, pulling the camera back and looking at other areas of life where a similar dynamic can can happen, right? So um, we've, we've all had a friend who has changed the way, um, you know, they, they've started eating a lot of kale. And man, they think everybody's life would be better if we all started eating a lot more kale. I think we've all had that friend, right? And the thing is, Maybe life would be better if we started eating more kale. Maybe it wouldn't, but show me. You go first, you kale it up, and we'll all watch. 
and we'll and we'll see how it goes. And we'll see how long your kale quest lasts. I mean, if a year from now you're still the king of kale and you're loving it and it's working for you and everything's great. Well, you know what? Maybe it's kale time in my life too. But you go first. Let me know how it goes. Show me. And here's the thing. That's actually not a bad perspective for people to have. It's not an unfair perspective for people to have. I think it's actually pretty good and pretty healthy. And we can see that when it's stuff outside of our faith journey, I think a lot yeah. more easily. When, when it comes to matters of faith, I think it's, it's harder to, to take that view. But from the perspective of not you, uh, from the perspective of someone who's on the outside, it's actually not different. It's you appear to have made a lifestyle change. I mean, you found religion. Is it working for you? Why don't you, why don't you show me? Um, you know, it, <laughs> to take it back to our emergency, if somebody's giving you free waffles on a regular basis, I could be interested too. But you've got to right. go first. You, you've got to set an example of something that I would want to be a part of. And to the extent that you do, in their own time and in their own way, people are likely, if nothing else, to think about it and to consider and to, to imagine what would, it, what would it be like for me if I went down that path? I'm not saying I want to. I'm not saying I'm gonna. But, you know, what, what would that be like for me? But all that starts, in a human sense, with you going first and you setting that example. And if you can dig it, that's really where the focus needs to be. Um, that's where the energy needs to go is not on you know, worrying your friends to death about, you know, uh, whether or not they've made their decision for Christ yet, but on you showing them what an actual full godly life looks like. Amen. The, the odds are they've never seen one before. Mm. They've seen plenty of religious people. Um, they've seen plenty of churchgoers, but the odds that they've seen a person who it just walks with Jesus and is cool about it and leads a full life where they help other people and they enjoy themselves and they have a good time, they probably have not seen that. Your friends have probably never seen that because there's not a lot of it in the world. So if you make up your mind to, to do that and to live that life and to focus on that, a few things happen. The first is your friends don't feel pressured, which actually makes the likelihood of them adopting it go up dramatically, which yeah. is something that we don't talk about very often. But the other two things that happen which are super important, is the first is it becomes clear to your friends that change is actually possible. I knew this dude when. I see how he is today. He changed. And, and he's been on it for a minute, so it's not like a, you know, a pretend thing. He's, you know, he has changed. So change is, you know, it is possible. But the second part, which is really, really critical, is that change is worth it. I can look at my friend's life and the change he's gone through and be like, that's pretty cool. That's, I'm happy for him. It's, it's working. It's, it's a good thing. I don't know if it'd be the right thing for me or not. I don't know if I'm ready or not. I don't even know if I could really pull it off or not, but I know it's possible and I know it's good. That's an amazing seed to plant in people's brains. That's, Amen. that's as powerful of a thing as exists. If you can dig it, because again, that's the moment where people really start thinking about what would this be like for me? I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'll ever be ready, but what would it be like for me? And maybe someday I want to do that. And maybe I want to ask some questions about that for my friend and, and, and see what the deal is. But that begins by you going first and you setting that example and showing them that change in Jesus is possible and that it's worth it and that it's a good thing. You can do that. Mm. 
And you can begin that journey today, and we are praying for you as you do that. Indeed we are, and Glenn, I think that's such an important uh, thing that Jed's giving us here. And I think underlying it is another important point, which is you look at today and you say, I've right now gotten my stuff together. Maybe I've I've certainly gotten saved. Maybe that's come with some lifestyle changes, as Jed's pointing out. Maybe I'm doing well. And my fr- I'm so heartbroken for my friend because it's all just a mess, mm-hmm. which is perfectly understandable. And again, as Lee pointing out, we've all been in that place. But I think we can get in trouble when we think they are a mess, always shall be. It's only going to get worse. Right. So I got to hop in this lifeboat and do something now. Yeah. That's fr- from someone who's been uh, dealing with people who are in a mess for yeah. uh, quite a few years now, shall yeah. we say, that's rarely the right call, is it? Well, it, it absolutely it is. It is the wrong way to look at it. If you, I will, you know, I want to key off of some of what Lee was talking there with hope, you know, because I, I think we have a mentality where we say a good Christian life is where you, you, you at some point you're misbehaving, but then you said, you know what, God. I'm going to behave. Yeah. <laughs> and then you behave from then on. That's a good Christian life. Now, obeying God is nowhere in that because God wants me to behave. I'm behaving. So therefore I'm obeying God sort of in the broad strokes, you know, that's, and then I find a bunch of other Christians and I get it with a herd. You know, I just move with the herd. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a slightly above average of that herd. So, that means I'm a pretty good Christian, and so that's what a Christian, that's a good Christian life. Uh, that's actually a super sucky Christian life, uh, and not really terribly Christian. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, the, the reality is, um, it, it is it is normal for us to have ups and downs in all areas of our spiritual life, as, as we would have with areas of our physical and emotional life. Uh, someone who has completely leveled off is either dead or isn't trying at all. So there's a, 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 a you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not impressed with this streak of consistent behavior that never wavers and there's no ups or downs or ins or outs. If you're pushing yourself, if you're making progress, it looks messy, it looks ugly, you look tired. There's There, there are signs and indications that, uh, that you are going through transformations and you're growing in that process, that's going to have ups and downs. Absolutely. It's right and good, I think, to have hope that everyone that you know that's backsliding right now, God is not through with them. Yeah. God is going to do something about that. He might use you. He might not. He doesn't really need you, but he might use you just for fun. But God doesn't give up <laughs> on people. I don't give up on people. You could show me a whole room full of backslid sinners, and to me, that that looks as much a fertile ground for change and transformation as any church I go to, because God loves all those people. Yep. God's working on them. Also, if you show me any room full of church folk, I can see as many backslide potential in that as anywhere else yes. as, as well. Yeah. Because, so this this idea of however we are now is how it's always going to be. That's really the the enemy there. It's better to have that sense of hope of no matter where people are, God can bring them from a really long way. He's brought some of us a really long way already, so Amen. we have that That's mentality right. of, of God's not done. Uh, I think uh, it, I'd leave you with this thought. 
uh, God will sooner or later call you to strike out and blaze a trail. Uh, that's a lot of what Jed was talking about. You go first. You you be you should you, look. If I look at you and say, "Hey man, what's the secret?" and you say kale, I say, "Well, uh, I guess I got to try it now based on that." But uh, <laughs> you know, myself into a corner here. You know, that's. But if if you're a week into your kale and you're eating it and it tastes nasty and you're telling me that's the secret to everything, I. Well, let's see how long you stick with it, Mr. Kale Man. Well, you, well, you know, uh, but you you don't look happy to me. You you look like you've uh, you, you got to, you you look impressed with yourself. That's a big difference. You know? <laughs> that's not the same. Smug and attractive are not the same yeah, thing. That's exactly right. Amen. So you know, uh, God, this has happened in my life. It will happen in your life. There will be a time where God will say, I want you to do this thing, and there won't be a single Christian you know with you on it. That will absolutely happen in your life. (laughs) It certainly happened to me. There are times where God is saying, I want you to help this person. I want you to go to this place. I want you to do this thing. I want you to give money to this thing, whatever it is. And you're going to be the only one that thinks that's a good idea, that God absolutely will call you to do that. It, the, the moving with the herd uh, sounds really Christian, but there are times, as Jed is pointing out, where God's calling you to lead. That's absolutely right. That's all really fantastic stuff on this. We're going to go to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, Jesus said his burden is light, but it doesn't always feel that way. Does it mean I'm doing something wrong if doing the right thing seems hard? And I actually really like the way this ties into exactly what where Glenn left on that last question. And Jed, where do we kick this one off? Well, we love you. We believe in you. We're glad that you wrote in. Uh, I have two questions back for you to think about. They are related, and I think you'll see where they're going. Question one, is this car busted or is it just out of gas? Question two, is this bicycle broken or is the tire just flat? Here's the thing. We have a way of really preferring dramatic answers. Yeah. Right. This car is destroyed because of its sins or it could just need some gasoline. Right. This bike was unfaithful and now it's ruined or it could need an air pump. Both are fine right. options. That's right. All right. We Maybe do that. We do pump th- the unfaithfulness out of it. <laughs> we do this in our Christianity all the time where we say, I've got something that's not going well. That must mean there's something deeply wrong with me. It must mean that there's something mm. just, it, 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 to the core of my soul, offensive and evil and wrong, and and that's it. And I'm basically just doomed. That that is that is my that is my life now. Which again, in a in a in a, in a sense, is a very attractive view because it's very dramatic. Right. And, and we get to view ourselves as kind of a tragic figure. Uh, it's it's weird that that would be attractive, but it actually really is for a lot of us. And critically, if I just suck as a Christian, well, I'm kind of off the hook. I mean, I'd love for things to go better, but sorry, I'm doomed. What can I tell you? <laughs> okay. Tell you that to tell you this. We're once again, like we did the last question, we're actually going to take a step away from spiritual stuff for a second because I think it's really easy for us to have a worldview where different rules apply with spiritual stuff. Going back several years now, I realized I had a bunch of areas in my life where there's things that I was really bad at, all kinds of stuff. And I decided, I don't know that I'm ever going to be like good at any of this, but one thing at a time, 
I'm going to try and figure out how to be competent at this. That's that's okay. going to be my goal. It's a, it's a journey from total suck and incompetency to not completely embarrassing myself and, and all kinds of areas of life. Well, I learned a couple of things that I think are going to relate directly to your journey. And so I pass them on to you. Thing number one is there's not really such a thing as being bad at something. There's being new at it. There's being ignorant of the things that make it go. There's being uninitiated in the processes. But there's not such a thing as bad. Like, you can have talent for something. I think that's true. But there's not such a thing as anti-talent. Right. And we need to acknowledge that. Because that's part of what I think you have in your head is, I have anti-talent as a Christian. No, you don't. Because there's not such a thing as that. You could be new. You could be clueless. You could be uninitiated, but you're not bad at it because there's no such thing as that. That's just, that's not an issue. That's thing one that I learned. The next thing that I learned is that if you want to get better, you should not try and figure it out yourself. That's a terrible idea. If, if you're starting from a place of cluelessness, the answer to your cluelessness will not leap forth from inside your brain. Now, this sounds really dumb as I say it out loud. Like, who would think that? <laughs> Me. I would think that and have thought that about a great many things. Thus, it bears repeating, the answer to your cluelessness is not to be found in your noggin. You must ask for help. Other people know things that you don't know. So should I ask my brain for help? No, your brain does not have the answer. <laughs> you should go and find people that do have the answer. I, I'm talking about my man brain. I, I, I also have a man That's brain. That's the worst kind. <laughs> <laughs> don't trust that one. So you should go and you should find people who do know and you should ask them. And you must say, I don't know and I am new, which will not kill you. It has not killed right. me to date. Right. I do not know. So take it slow and start from the beginning. How do I do this? Now, here's the next thing that I learned. And this one is kind of painful, but I, I, it's hard one. So I pass it on to you. Most of the time, the people that you find, if they're qualified, if they really know whatever this thing is. And again, we're talking about all kinds of ranges of human endeavors, including spirituality. But if they actually know their stuff, it's not necessarily that they're going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. Like, it's not, you know, I, I want to be, you know, a, a better Christian. Oh, uh, you have to immediately move to Jerusalem and be there for the next 20 years. It's not, it's not like that. But they're going to probably tell you things that aren't what you expected. And in that sense, aren't exactly what you wanted to hear. Right? So I'll give you an example of what I mean. I've sung in rock bands for years. Going back several years ago now, my voice was getting tired all the time. And I knew if I don't change something, I'm going to really hurt myself. So I found, I went and found a, an amazing vocal teacher who has sung opera her whole life. And I said, fix me. I am wrong and bad and I know nothing. Fix me. And she explained to me, and this is advice I did not want to hear. You have to learn to sing correctly. And then we can add the rock on top of it. And I thought, well, it's not like the worst thing in the world, but that I don't like this advice. That's the least rock and roll advice I've ever heard. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's yeah. I, I hate everything about this. This is this is terrible. This is terrible advice. She was right. I desperately do not want to admit this, but she was totally right. And here's the thing: I've had that like literally like a dozen times now in different areas of life. I've had that same experience where I've gone to people and I've said, "I am busted and wrong and bad." You must fix me for you. You are my teacher. And then they said, ha, I win. No, they said, oh. well, that's, that's no problem. Oh. I'm really glad you came. Oh. And then they've told me something and it's like, 
that's, it's not like, it's not rock and roll. That wasn't the advice that I wanted. I guess I'll do it. And then it worked. And I keep waiting for a moment where I'm going to relent and be cool about things and not expect it to sound like the advice that I need. <laughs> that keeps not happening. Right. But so as you go to people and you say, what am I missing? What's not working for me? They're probably going to give you advice that sounds just weird. Like, well, that's not what I was saying. I, I thought you were going to say I had to memorize the entire Bible. That has to be the advice. And that's not the advice you're giving me. We need to have that sense of openness. You are not bad at Christianity because no one is bad at Christianity. You have things to learn. You have things to uncover. You have stuff to get out in the open. There are people who want to help you do that, and they're going to give you some advice that may sound a little funky, but it will work. The Amen. journey, though, begins by acknowledging that you're not doomed. You're not busted. You're not broken. You just knew, and you got stuff to learn, and that there are people who know, who want to help, who want to be a part of that journey, taking the courage to reach out to them and begin that next step in your journey. I think that is exactly right, and a fantastic place to start this off. And Lee, I'd love to get you to pick us up there, because I think this idea of uh, yoke being easy and the burden being light, exactly as Jed's pointing us to, is one of those things that, as and you alluded to one earlier in the episode, we hear that. We read that in the Bible. But there's part of us in our Protestant work ethic, uh, Western idea, that really doesn't believe that's actually the way good stuff should happen. And where does that tension lead us? Yeah, I love that you use the word tension right there, because this is, this is a, a difficult thing where it's like, okay, either... Either I've got to say that everything is easy and amazing, and I'm just going to lie about where I am, or I've got to be honest and say that some things in my life suck, and I don't like what they are. Um, and, and so, like, where, what do I do there? Um, what do I do about the fact that I'm supposed to be a Christian and some things suck? Um, this, is a, this is an odd tension to live in. It's one of those things that's helped by the idea that when you actually read the New Testament, you find out there's some kind of qualifiers here. I mean, Jesus invites us to come to him. If you are heavy laden, if you're burdened down, come to me. I want to help. I want to I give you a, a burden that's light. I, I want to I switch burdens with you, and I want to give you the light one, and I want to carry the heavy one. That's awesome news. But Jesus all, also says that in this world, you're going to have trouble. Um, the Apostle Paul says clearly that it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. And this is, and go through the same struggles you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is something Paul says at the end of, at the end of Philippians chapter one. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be doubts. And the, the thing that I can tell you about all of these things is that the tension of the Christian life is that Jesus is inviting you into fulfillment and joy and help and his presence and, and his wisdom and all of that stuff. He's inviting you into all of that. And at the exact same time, he is promising that there will be trouble and struggle and sickness and confusion. And then at the end of that death. And so um, where do I live in the middle of that? And my encouragement for you is to live in the place of honesty, to be honest about what you're going through, and to take that honesty to your relationship with God, and to say, 
I'm having a hard time. If you are confused, if you are struggling, if you are brokenhearted, this is the thing that I can tell you with certainty is that God is close to the brokenhearted. He is close to the struggling. He's close to the confused. If you are experiencing problems that you don't have an answer for, if you're experiencing troubles that you can't figure out, um, the thing that I can tell you is that the Lord is close to you in the middle of that. I think that, I mean, I completely and totally and 100% agree with everything that, that Jed laid down on this. And this thing is a journey and it is a process where we're learning and getting reps and finding our way through becoming new to becoming experienced. And even in the place of, you know, vast experience, even people that have been walking with the Lord for decades and decades find that sometimes they feel the help and sometimes they feel the confusion and the doubt. And the best place that we can be is in the honesty of saying, I'm having a hard time. I know that you're close to the brokenhearted. I want you to come and help me. And I can tell you that Jesus hears those prayers and that he wants to be near you and help you. He, wants, he promises to be with you even to the end of the age. And the best thing that we can start on this, the best place we can start on this is to be completely honest about where we are, even if it feels like it's a confusing thing of like, I'm not supposed to be having a hard time now that I'm a Christian, right? I'm supposed to have joy all the time. Joy is the flag flown high over the, the castle of my heart. As the old song goes, it's like, that's the person I'm supposed to be. It's like, excuse me, this is, this is where I actually live. And I can tell you that that's God's heart for you is where do you actually live? Let me find you in the middle of that and be there for you in the middle of whatever it is you're feeling in the heaviness and the confusion and the doubt and the troubles. I think that's absolutely right. It's fantastic stuff. And Glenn, I think uh, before the Baptists steal this one too, oh, it may yeah. be time to return to show favorite, the Bible Nerditorium, and uh, break down a little bit what's going on here because there, there's some uh, very agricultural-specific yeah. things going on. So the verse our friend read the question is, is, is referencing is, Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what is Jesus actually saying there in the context of the you know first century agricultural society? It, it, this is super exciting to me because he is saying something really specific that's extremely hard to translate into English and as you're referencing into our modern cultural context. Uh, and so, uh, so we need to kind of tease those things out because uh, it, it, when I think about my relationship with God, the idea that it's, it's an easy thing to do, that does not ring true. This feels like the toughest thing I could possibly be doing because every molecule in my being is screaming for me to do some sinning right now. So, you know, <laughs> that's, it, it, it just doesn't fit. Um, so we, if we dig in there, there's sort of four key words in this verse. Uh, the, he says, yoke is easy and the burden is light. So those are four, you know, yoke, easy, burden, light. Those are sort of the four key words there. Uh, all of those have unique meanings, and some of them have no real translation in English. So uh, yoke is uh, zygos, and that's like you, you in biology, a zygote, you know, two things come together to become one kind of a thing. That's uh, a, a yoke that's specific to two animals pulling the same 
thing at the same time. So it's a it's a, just a wooden bar that would go across the neck of two animals that that where two of them are pulling on the same load there. So when he says my yoke, he means the thing we are doing together. It's easy when you're pulling with me. It's not easy when you're doing it on your own, whatever it is that you're doing. So that's yoke. Uh, easy is a really cool word because it's fairly familiar to us. That's Christos. So you may have heard that word before. Uh, but it's 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 really interesting because in Greek... It means, um, it, it actually was a word that a lot of slaves and servants would be sort of nicknamed because it's the idea of being good and kind, uh, sort of like useful at the same time. You know, they're smushing all those ideas together. There's no real English word for that. If you translate that into easy, I think you may have lost me on that. I don't, I don't know... If that's the perfect word for that, but I don't think there is one. You know, this this idea of um, that that when we're pulling together, that um, uh, you know, first of all, I'm in it. You're you're pulling with me, so your my strength is is happening there. But I am helping both because I want to be good to you and good uh, have good in this life and I want to help you and I want to be be there for you and serve you in that in that way uh, so I I don't know again there is no English word for that but that's what the, when the when it says easy that's what's implied by easy if you could dig that uh, 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 then burden is the next key word that's fortion and um, that's a cool word it comes up in the Bible a lot that's uh, one of the other verses we use around here a lot is you weigh people down with burdens they can hardly carry. It's the same word, fortion. Really cool word that, that we don't even have a close second in in uh, in uh, English. It might be cargo, might be close, but it's this idea of a thing that's assigned to you to carry that's not transferable. That's what fortion is. So it's it's like a it's derived from like a like a ship's manifest or like a, a, a you know like a ledger that where it's written down this is the cargo this ship should carry. They would use in in Greek they would use the same word to talk about a woman who's pregnant. You know that's her thing to carry. That's you know no one else can bear this burden but her. She only she can carry it. So in English, the word burden has a negative connotation. You know that that sense of of a, a, something you wouldn't want to have to carry that kind of thing. But that's not in the original language. You know we use the term old school term a burden of love around here. But it's 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 drawn from the same Greek idea of fortion. This idea of God puts it on your heart to love this person. And that's for you. It's given to you for them, and the the idea that that's for you to carry out that love uh, to them. Uh, so uh, that's his his the, the so the burden, uh, uh, fortion, and then it's light. You know, and that you know the Greek word there is implying that it's uh, it's it's uh, it's like if you had a backpack that you would have a lot of weight in it, but you don't feel it. That's, that's the idea of that Greek word. It's this, this idea of, uh, uh, it's elaphros, but it's, it's this idea of, uh, you know, it's fitted to you in a way that's not 
uh, too heavy for you to bear and all that. So when you expand all that out, I think that verse is saying a whole lot more than, than what we're talking about here. Uh, as these other fellows have pointed out, the idea of this verse is, uh, you know, I, I sort of wrote down the expanded version of this, is when we pull together, I make things good because I care about you, therefore your load will be easy to carry. Nice. I think that's how you, I mean, that's, that's a big mouthful for a short phrase in, in Greek, but I think that encapsulates this idea uh, that we're trying to get our minds around here. I think it really does, and I think we all enjoyed yeah. that trip to the Bible Nerdatorium. Yeah. All, Quite right. Uh, you know, always a fun place to revisit, and I look forward to, uh, you know, whatever denomination comes up with their own version of it. The Bible Nerdarium, <laughs> I assume. They won't give us credit. All right, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com, or you can scroll down to your episode description and click those links. We're going to take out the song this week. This is from our bridge box summer mixtape this is our friends in the deacons division and our friend from africa ezekiel walker with a version of amazing grace take out that thanks for listening dismer we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it ahoy internet mateys heave ho and shiver me timbers i looked up pirate (laughs) phrases on the internet
enemies Thought it was the end of me Turns out you're a friend of me Whole lot of things that I just couldn't see Like love is a gift and a gift is for free And the gift that you give is a gift that's for me When I was a long way off you saw me Heart filled up with compassion for me You ran out and you threw your arms around me Told the whole town it's a homecoming party Said this son of mine He was lost but he's alive 